Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Social Dad podcast. It's been a while since uh, I recorded last. I think the last episode I was stuck in the Las Vegas airport. Um, I can report I'm safely back. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's been a whirlwind first couple of months of the year. Um, lots of good things, um, some not so great, but uh, we're moving forward. And uh, and yeah, and it's I've been doing a lot of stuff. Um, for one reason or another, with cars. Um, there's the Vancouver Auto Show. I went to Monster Jam, um, Monster Trucks with uh, Michael Kwan. Um, I was even thinking for a while about getting my own old truck to restore, but then realized all the expenses that come with it, especially in Vancouver, where the car insurance is a joke and trying to find a place to put it is almost impossible. So it's kind of, might have to wait till my retirement. But Today, um, I wanted to talk to Eric Novak, who uh, does a lot of car reviews, and I've been um, watching his YouTube for some time now. Um, hi, Eric. Hey, James. How are you? Good. Thank you. How are you doing? Well, good, good. I have three more hours of daytime ahead of me since I'm in Eastern, but uh, the day so far is good. <laughs> good, good. It's just starting here. Um, I just had to – there's no uh, intro track to this show because I had to borrow my boss's computer because I forgot the USB to um, whatever it is on a Mac. Lightning? Thunder? Thunderbolt. I don't know. The one, the USB-C, but it's not a USB and there's no, it's just bad. Anyway, um, so I wanted to invite you on the show, I mean, mainly because I love talking about cars. Okay. But I saw your, yeah, but I saw your, um, your YouTube video the other day about the new Ford Escape. Yeah. What do you think about that? Because it looks a lot like kind of the C-Max or a smaller car. Is it as small in person? Um, no. Uh, now, the Ford Escape um, is, of course, um, a, a, a very strong member of the Ford SUV family. Uh, the 2020 edition coming out later this fall, which I um, visited. I, I went to the Ford Canada headquarters in Oakville, Ontario to sort of uh, see it for the first time. They were doing kind of an international reveal in multiple cities uh, on April 2nd. And, you know, it's a lot of times uh, these reveals and global premieres are straying away from the auto shows that used to be so prevalent and doing it their own way. So I saw it for the first time, and this is the fourth generation of the Escape. Uh, it's always been the uh, sort of uh, mid-sized, uh, two-row, seating for five, comfortable uh, uh, crossover SUV, and um, it's it's been their one of their be- it, it is their best-selling crossover, their best-selling SUV, and uh, with the fourth generation, they've made some uh, some some prominent styling changes, I think. Um, uh, they've actually increased uh, things such as legroom in the second row. Um, they have a sliding seat and get up to an additional six inches of legroom if you needed it. Um, it it's, I mean, dimensionally, it's, um, it's uh, unless you were taking a caliper to measure, it's about the same as what it was. I think just the way some of the, the design features, the, the, the scaling of it, uh, some of the proportions, the way it's done now, cars tend to be a little bit, and when I say a little bit, I'm talking, you know, a couple of millimeters uh, shorter, wider stance uh, for better handling. But overall, it's, it's, it's consistent in size, but there's, uh, there's 
uh, a return uh, to uh, its hybrid roots. Uh, the second gen, I believe, um, Escape did have a hybrid version, which disappeared when they relaunched it um, with the 2012, which was sort of updated midstream 2017. Um, and so they have a hybrid back again, as well as a plug-in hybrid for the first time. So there's a lot of new changes to it. And, I, and just at first glance, I, I quite like it. Um, I won't get to drive it probably until summer or uh, early fall, depending on when they either do a media launch or I get access to it. But on the surface, it looks good. Hmm. Um, I mean, I always liked the, I think it was about 2010 and probably before those Ford Escapes where they're much more square looking. Well, um, yeah. And the, I kind of wish I hadn't gone away from that. I, I, you, you, you might be giving back to your, um, your British Range Rover, uh, roots or, or yeah. if that's, if that's what okay. it is. Um, uh, but, um, uh, boxiness, uh, boxiness might have a certain aesthetic, uh, to some, but boxiness, um, doesn't cut through the wind very well. And, um, in this day and age of car design, we're, we're looking for efficiencies. Uh, we're looking for aerodynamics. We're looking to, uh, minimize uh, fuel consumption, and um, you know, if you're looking at aerodynamics, the 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 most the perfect aerodynamic shape that that scientists and engineers have determined to be is 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 a is a teardrop, and and everything is sort of designed against that, and so you have this thing called coefficient of drag, and and the more it looks like a teardrop, the the higher or the lower the coefficient is, and the better it slips through the wind. And at the end, you know, some people may like the boxiness, but if it if it cuts through better, if it uh, reduces drag and improves fuel economy, well, that's where they're going to go. Hmm, sounds. I had never thought about that because I mean, growing up on in the English countryside, like all the farmers have Land Rovers and they've been there for fifty years and. You just hit them with a the hammer until they work. Well, yeah, it's true, and it's funny. Even Land Rover is making some changes because uh, uh, I remember last year when I when I got my first chance behind the new Velar. Uh, even there, they were understanding that aerodynamics matter, and I think the Velar is the most aerodynamic of the the Range Rover Land Rover line too. So even they get it to yeah. a certain degree. Hmm. Um, so another hot talking point, especially here in BC, is the gas prices. Yep. Um, where do you think that's going? Do you think it's just going to go up and up and up until everyone's been literally pushed into having a, an electric vehicle? I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say pushed into it. Um, but it, the, the reality of course, for a number of factors is that, um, we should, uh, expect and anticipate to see, uh, the continuation of high, gas prices and and higher i mean there's a lot of reasons why um uh oil there is an abundance of oil in the world i mean we can say we can just talk technically about oil we can we can um, talk about environmental considerations in a moment but we can uh, as for just technical considerations um there's there's less of the cheap readily available easy to access oil reserves left most of it is in saudi arabia uh, where it's still easy to get but the stuff that we have still access to the bitumen in northern alberta is is a complicated and expensive process to take from you know the the raw bitumen to a finished refined product 
um, we're, we're, we're seeking it in, in places such as um, uh, areas of the Gulf of Mexico in deeper uh, uh, waters where we have to drill, we have to find better site engineering methods to extract. So, I mean, ultimately where we're fighting oil still, even though there's abundance of it, it's it's harder to reach and more expensive. So just on production costs alone, we can expect costs to go up. Um, and then if you want to add, of course, that um, uh, the idea of of pricing carbon, uh, putting a price on pollution, which which basically was was not done uh, for the the large percentage for the vast majority of time that we've had internal combustion engines as a way of transportation. Um, so all the pollution and all the carbon that's gone up is basically gone without any cost or consequence. And there's a realization now that this is something that's necessary. And, and so that's going to continue to apply. People say it's a money grab for governments. It's actually really a, it's a, it's a social experiment and behavior. We, we all know that, that the pricing of items uh, affects our, our inclination to use or buy them. We're drawn to sale prices just as we are drawn away from increasing prices. And so if people's love affairs with gasoline and combustion engines and carbon emitting vehicles is so strong that we won't make change on our own, then you know governments around the world are realizing perhaps this is one way to at least get the ball rolling in the other direction. Because if you're, if you're not happy with the prices that you're paying, well, there's options available for you, either a less uh, costly or more fuel efficient gas engine or alternatives such as electrification. Hmm. And do you think, uh, so I suppose, I mean, when I went to the Vancouver Auto Show uh, a few weeks ago, I think there's a lot of hydrogen and electric and hybrid cars. Yep. Um, I think the Nissan Leaf won car of the year or like economy car of the year or something like that. And they seem to get a lot of prizes. Yeah, well, um, do you think that's just the way it's going to go? Well, there's, you know, as much as we love our, our gas vehicles, there's um, there's a lot to be said in a positive uh, point of framing uh, as with respect to electric vehicles. I mean, number one, they're a lot of fun to drive. Uh, this is something that most people don't really understand that, um, you know, if you're a car person and you understand about torque and how um, when you drive a gas engine, um, the torque or really the thrust that you feel with it with an engine, uh, you don't feel that maximum thrust or that peak torque curve until at a certain point in the engine rev cycle. It doesn't happen instantly. But when you have when you have a, a an electrified powertrain and all of the energy that you are that you are using is available without ramping up, the second you touch on the accelerator, all of that power is available to you. So the bottom line is off the line. They're fun. I mean, you know, you have equivalents that the high end Teslas and I'm not just one extreme, but, you know, when you're talking seven, eight hundred pound feet of torque, you know, and you're going zero to one hundred and three seconds. That's a lot of fun. Now, not the leaf isn't like that. The Kia, uh, uh, the Kia Soul EV or the new Nero EV or the Hyundai Kona EV or the Chevy Volt EV. They're not necessarily that powerful, but they are more powerful and they're a lot of fun to drive. So. Um, if you get past that, if you get past some of the misconceptions uh, about these ideas of range anxiety, I mean, I just reviewed the Kona EV and, you know, that has a, a range of over 400 kilometers on a full charge. Um, I mean, the, the amount of times where something like that doesn't meet your daily needs is extremely rare. And, 
you know, and do you buy a vehicle that, that, you know, meets your needs, especially one weekend in a year, or do you buy one that meets your needs 51 weeks of the year and make accommodations for the 52nd? Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, Because I've always thought of sort of electric vehicles as a bit sort of weak, but I guess... They're not at all. I guess that's That's a misconception. Yeah. Have you ever driven one? Uh, I've driven the... Uh, Fusion Energy, which I think is a hybrid. It's a and that was great. Hybrid. That's really That's nice. That's a plug-in. Hybrid. It's a combination okay. of a smaller battery, which has the capacity to run electric only for shorter ranges, 30, 40 kilometers. Like the Honda Clarity can go 60 or 70, but then it converts into a combination hybrid gas. Um, so you'll get some sense of that, but a pure electric, it's, again, they're fun to drive. And if we're talking dads to dads here, I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons you can like electric vehicles. And one as a sort of a you know nudge nudge uh, you know slightly humoristic way of looking at it, um, uh, gas or sorry, electric vehicles um, are are silent. I mean that's one of the things that we have to work around for safety because you know gas engines we hear them coming as pedestrians and there's ways we have audible tones and warnings if you're in a silent vehicle. But but let's just say um, you're out later than you should be and maybe you're past curfew or you don't want to wake up the neighbors or maybe um, uh, the spouse when you're pulling into the driveway. Well, if you have a a Mustang or a a big V8 Hemi, it's kind of hard to avoid that. But with electric cars, you kind of have a stealth mode and you can sneak up pretty quietly and get in the house and no one would know any worse. (laughs) I need to get one. Um, actually on the topic of electric cars, um, when I was at the auto show, I, I met with the people from, um, Electra, um, Mechanica, uh-huh. I think it's, uh, which is a, a Vancouver company. And I think they, they actually make the, the cars in, uh, New Westminster, which is, which is nice and local. Yeah. Um, and they have, they've got two main cars on their showroom floor. They've got the Roadster S, which is a beautiful, it looks kind of like an old Jag. Right. Um, gorgeous really like i i really want to drive that around but they had their i can't remember the name i think it's a solo and it's a three wheel yes so there's two wheels at the back and one at the front and a little luggage space it's interesting because it's kind of like a sort of a more streamlined fun looking car to go a smart car but i i don't know if it's if, is it like a novelty or do you think that's the future well, it, to look at that concept, it's it's essentially, if I'm not correct, it's a one-person vehicle. Um, and yeah. and you'd have to ask yourself, is there how much of a market is there for a um, for a an enclosed um, uh, uh, powered uh, personal motor transportation? Yeah, there's motorcycles, and that works to some degree, but this is different. And um, you know, there there's there's a few things that 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 what we um, see as normal, what we value, because again, the, vehicle transportation is also an emotional experience. It's less there is a lot of pragmatism, but we also I often say we think with our heads, but we act with our hearts. And and if there's a if there's a if it's seen as an alternative way of transporting, um, its ultimate success is going to be hindered. I mean. You know, I, I do a lot of speaking. I'm actually going to Belgium in, in uh, two and a half weeks to speak to a university out there about the normalizing process of sustainability. The second we see it as alternative, we see it as, well, that's not for me. We all just want to feel normal. Um, so it's a, it's a cute concept. And mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, uh, it's zero emission transportation. 
Um, would it take on in mass quantities? I mean, you can't take the kids to to hockey or soccer or to baseball or or to the dance or to any other parenting duties in that. So it's it's limited in its applications. Um, it, it seems interesting. I've I've seen them. I've yet to uh, drive one myself, but uh, um, you know, it, for 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 the right demographic, it probably has some merit to it. I just don't think it would be a mass mass uh, selling hit. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe for downtowns um, where it's really traffic dense, like Toronto, here in Vancouver, but, but, but I'd be worried to... driving next to a big truck. Well, yeah, and, and, and I mean, if someone is taking that, what would be the alternatives for them as well? I mean, that might appeal to a millennial or someone, as you say, living, you know, in downtown Toronto or say, uh, you know, down uh, by the expo site down in Vancouver, where there's a lot of intensification in residences. But I mean, if they didn't have that, what would they be doing? They might be on bikes. They might be car sharing. They might be doing a ride hailing service. They might be using public transportation. So is the net benefit of having one of these which would then have to be stored and, and paid for parking and all the other incidentals. It would probably need insurance as well. You know, is that going to be the greater net benefit than it would be from what exists right now? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'll have to go and have a chat with them. Cause I, after seeing the roadster S on their stand, yeah. I was so blown away that the next day I went to RBC my bank and opened up an investment account and bought some shares in well, electromechanica you know just because I thought the, the idea this, of, this is great. The idea of electrification and, and in personal transportation is, you know, it's it's not uh, it's not something that's on the the small side. It, there's plenty of potential and upside, and and we are going in that direction. You know, uh, despite the whatever you know stubbornness that may exist among consumers and among automotive executives. I mean, the reality is clear. We have to move towards a direction where we're not, through personal transportation, contributing uh, to the problem that we have with climate change. And, and that's just, you know, we're going there. So uh, there's there's room for more entrance. Um, you know, the ultimate long-term success depends on a number of factors, you know, design appeal, business model sense, pricing points, availability. I mean, this is not, this isn't a business podcast, but I mean, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Does, but that said, I mean, you see an opportunity. I, I agree. There, there's still a lot of upside going forward. Yeah. And I think, um, I think you're spot on about seeing it as an alternative fuel or alternative lifestyle instead of it just being a different mainstream. I use an example that, I mean, I've been, I've been reviewing cars and an automotive journalist for uh, it's eight years now. And uh, all my neighbors, you know, they know what I do. I bring home a different car every week. Um, they, they know and they keep their eye in the driveway and, and I think, oh, four, five, six years ago, I, one of the first times I brought home an electric car, I think it was one of the first Ford Focus electrics. I had a, a neighbor across the street who said, boy, I've, I've been seeing these electrics and I've never been in one. Could we go for a drive? And I said, sure. In fact, why don't you get behind the wheel? And so he said, OK. So we drove around for 10, 15 minutes. We parked in the driveway again. And I said, what do you think? And he said, wow, it drives just like a car. I said, well, what did you think it was going to drive like? <laughs> you know, it's not a golf cart, but, you know, that's some of the misconceptions. There's a lot of normalcy into the vehicles we're seeing now. Uh, so 
we have a thinking problem more than we have a knowing problem. So we got to rethink this and then we'll get a lot further along. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing else spot on. Um, I've got a, a few cars lined up and I'm sure you do to, to try out. I'm borrowing the Honda Pilot Touring for, over the Easter break. Which I'm quite looking forward to. It's not electric. It's um, it's gas. Well, the but pilot. It's, the pilot uh, has the v- is is kind of the pilot has a V6 engine, um, and it's very fuel efficient. I I've quite been impressed by the pilot. Nice. I'm looking forward. I'll, I'm sure I'll do a full review and things and put it on on the website. Yeah, um, yeah it'll be good because normally I'm a, a Ford chap, but okay. uh, but yeah, Honda is it seems pretty good, and they've got the new um, Passport, which I had a quick look at at the auto show. Right. And that looks really nice. It's kind of a, it's it's it looks like a slightly older um, Escape, almost an Explorer size, um, which I really like. It's not too streamlined. Um, inside, I mean, it was just sort of spinning around on one of those pedestal things, but um, it looks it looks pretty nice. And I think it's for it's kind of the same sort of market as the Escape, where it's in between. Um, the daily driver for you know commuting and taking the kids to school and also wanting the the flexibility of taking it up into like the mountains or, or camping or you know even big grocery well, so for the trip. past three to five years we've seen in north america um a a shift in the preferences of of uh, uh vehicle owners and the the shift has been increasingly going away from the sedan and towards the crossover SUV and then some instances as well, trucks. So what we're seeing over the last few years is automakers adjusting their product offerings. Um, Ford, uh, General Motors, and Chrysler, all FCA, have all essentially um, said in North America that their lineup of vehicles is 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 getting rid of sedans where uh ford is is um you know save for the mustang uh they're they're getting rid of pretty much all their sedans they're getting rid of in north america anyway they're getting rid of the taurus they're getting rid of the fusion they're getting rid of the uh, uh focus uh the fiesta they're keeping them in other parts of the world and instead they're 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 bulking up their offerings in SUVs and crossovers. Uh, GM's doing the same, FCA. Now, uh, the Japanese and the and the Koreans and the Europeans, um, they still are keeping sedans. I mean, I just I just drove the new Altima. Uh, the yeah, the Accord like is is there. I mean, they're still uh, they're all still you know quite committed to sedans, but they also have to match offerings with offerings. So this passport is trying to fill whatever sort of gap one perceives there to be in the the range of offerings of their their crossover lineup. So, um, you know, they uh, they feel it's a fit for them. Uh, it's it's a little bit larger than the CRV and a little bit smaller than the uh, Pilot, and that's apparently a gap that they need to fill. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. I just want to finish up on um, Tesla. I, I was, you know, my. Uh my bosses have Tesla and my last company, the bosses before that had a Tesla. And so I'm, I'm very much sort of curious about them. And I've, I've sat in them, the really long um, stretching out, uh, what do you call it, windscreen or windshield is beautiful. But now they can drive themselves. 
and it's not the dangers or the or the you know many possible hazards it's the fact isn't that taking away from the most fun part of your day like i love driving it's one of my favorite things to do and a car that drives yourself like just take a bus Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Food for thought. I mean, I still, I don't know. I've always wanted an old sort of 1960s Ford truck and just, I know it'll be bad for the environment. It'll be plumes of smoke and it'll be, you know, a nightmare to drive, but I still love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you, Eric. This has been great. Um, I've learned a lot and I'm super excited about the summer and lots of driving to do. Um, hopefully I'll get to try some more cars.
And uh, so where can everyone find you? Perfect. All right. Thanks, Eric. Talk to you next time. Bye.